Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Welcome back to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two friends and lifelong film fans sit down and discuss movies that they love uh, but have never spoken about. Uh, so this week was a, a pick of mine. It's 1973's Badlands, directed by Terrence Malick. This is one of my favorite movies. I begged Dan to watch it. He finally did. Uh, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about it. So Dan, uh, we haven't spoken about the movie. I tried to text you one thing. You said, save it for the pod. You wouldn't even tell me what you thought. Go. Everybody has a shelf of books in their imagination that they think by now they should have read. <laughs> There's a great David Lodge novel where professors walk around and they try to like, um, you ever see that? And they try to like name books that they should have read by now, but they haven't. And the same thing goes with film. You can't see everything. So everyone out there listening, you have those one or two movies that you've never gotten around to seeing that you feel like you've seen because you've read a lot about it. So Badlands was mine. Um, I knew what it was about. I knew that Terrence Malick made it. I, I, I knew all the press. I knew Sissy Spacek and Martin Sheen. And, and I knew uh, the song Nebraska um, from listening to Bruce. So finally, Mike got me to watch it. And so here we are talking about it for the first time. And here, here is what it is. I can't believe you were taken in by this. I thought it was like romantic rot to the max. I, I thought it was vacuous and, and just absolutely empty. I, I, think, I think that um, it's, suppo it's supposed to be like the Executioner song, which came later. I know it came later, but I had, I had a lot of trouble with this. I, 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 I thought it was romantic rot. What's the first thing that gave you trouble with it? All of it. I, I mean, um, it's, it's, it, it was just, I kept, it was, a celebration of emptiness. And actually what was funny was when you, Mike did text me the line from, uh, if I could write a song about this feeling when they're dancing. Mm -hmm. And my notes on that was that, that made me cringe. I, it was, it was. It, Your note is it made you cringe? I, th yeah. I think, I thought that that was a, the, the best line. It's like that he, he can't articulate anything about uh, right. his reason, his reason for being at all. This is the if kind I of movie where you have a, a, a wooden performance by an actor that people will praise as if that were deliberate because there's nothing for him to do besides kick a can and walk around. And, and it's the same thing with her as well. You thought, I, okay, I, don't, I didn't think her performances wouldn't at all. Although Sissy, I will say Sissy Spacek has two performances. There's the performance that she has on screen and there's the performance that she has um, in her voiceover. Um, you you yeah. thought that they were both wooden? I thought, I, the thought, whole, I thought the whole film was, was absolutely empty. Wow. I think I, I felt like what Gertrude Stein said about California, there's no there there. That's what this movie is. There's no there there. There's nothing to it. Really? What, what, what do you like about it so much? Uh, I didn't find the performances uh, wooden at all. I found them uh, very affecting, for, particularly uh, Sissy Spacex. Um, I found that they gave her um, the, the best lines. I thought that the, um, I thought that the voiceover uh, was was utterly brilliant. Um, I'm at, like I, I hate voiceovers in movies. This is one of the only <laughs> movies where I like where I like voiceovers at all. You know, while they're riding in the car, and she says that I used to write myself messages on the roof of my mouth with you know with my tongue. Sure. Uh, uh, ways of ways of talking to yourself, which I thought was largely um, what the movie is about. I mean, let let's let's just do a quick compare. I mean, do you like say Bonnie and Clyde or yeah. you know any, yes, any I of the do. movies? I think and I thought Does of it that have to do with the this. genre or. No, I, I just think, I, you know, and, and I, okay, she's, she's not as wooden as Martin Sheen is, but I mean, I think that, again, this movie wants to, it wants to make a, a quote unquote important statement about the emptiness of, you know, American life out there, you know, but it, 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 it struck me as exactly like um, a, a seventh grader's version of the Executioner's Song. Really? The Executioner's Song takes, takes a terrible, terrible thing, 
from, from a terrible person and, and writes a, a, this giant sprawling portrait of America at a moment, moment in time. And I think it does it really well. I think Bonnie and Clyde does that as, as well as, you know, there's a, I'm not against the genre, but I think that um, the viewer is meant to regard these two as reflective of like the very empty landscape in which they dwell. You know, like her father paints ads, you know, that's, that's the excuse for art or something like that. She's the all American girl with the, with the white shorts and, and twirling her baton. Um, but there's, there's nothing to them. He's supposed to be James Dean. Um, but they're, you know, they go across the plains in the rich man's Cadillac. You know, there's a symbol. I just think that um, everything about it, there was nothing to it. I don't know. I didn't find it symbolic at all. I guess for me, I, the point is that she's, she's narrating having returned to life. So it, it's not, you know, um, she's like, but the journey is what, sure. But it's, it's, it's very much like uh, Thoreau's line, right? Like it, he's, he's looking back on having survived out in the wild. He says, but you know, at the time of writing these pages, I'm once again, a sojourner yeah. in, in life, which is essentially what she returns to. So I didn't see, I didn't see it as some kind of um, anti Reagan uh, commentary or, or what, you know, whatever it's being taken for. I, I saw it very much as, um, the, the only idea that the two of them have and really only he has is to run away. He doesn't know what he's running to. And he, does the, he evaporates does the into... Oh, you don't... First of all, by the way, when you talk about Thoreau, would you, would you classify their Gilligan's Island, um, their Gilligan's Island and Swiss Family Robinson, a place in the woods as something akin to Thoreau's cabin of Walden Pond? That no, certainly not. Certainly not. But my point is that that's what I meant by romantic. Rock. Is that Thoreau takes Thoreau's takes a break from life, um, you know, in, in a break. He borrowed the land right. from a friend, you know, left, went out, went back. And that's that's what I see them doing. In other words, I don't see a common I don't see necessarily a commentary, um, a social commentary in the same way because she returns to regular life. We, we take it somewhat successfully. Um, and he is. Uh, you know, executed. He's, then what is the he, meaning he of the, what is the meaning of her? If, if the meaning of Thoreau's uh, um, absence from Concord is to learn about, you know, to drive life into a corner and reduce it to its lowest terms, then what is the point of her vacation from? It's 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 a it's a breaking away that leads to an an inevitable return. I think that the return is, the inevitability of the return is included in the. Is included in the commentary, but then like what is she, the point of the breaking away? Like, what 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 is the movie about? I think that I think that the, there's a point at which everybody wonders if there's something else. I think what she sees is that there's nothing else, and returns and comes right. and comes right back. So the viewer sits through nothing. The the viewer is treated to nothing, to empty people, with with nothing interesting about them. I think and that you, and you're supposed to take that as somehow tender or 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 meaningful because if it's not tender or even if it's not meaningful or in any way even if you can't even empathize with them then then it's just an exercise in it's not even a snuff movie it's just an exercise in in like pretentious um, preciousness. I well, mean, okay. Bef before we uh, before we continue on this track, um, I got to ask for the second segment. Do you have a favorite moment that you? I have a I have a representative moment. Oh boy. All right, let's let's move on to our, our second segment where we talk about our representative moments. 
We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, welcome back to segment two. This is where we like to talk about our favorite moment or our favorite scene. So I'll, I'll just get this out of the way that I want sure. to take over because I don't want to, you know, I know I'm in the minority here, but my moment was when, um, was when she asks, um, do you like people? Or who, who asked that? Who says, do you like she people? She does. She does that, right? Yeah, she does. Do you like people? And I thought to myself, you have to detest people to like this movie. You have to, you have, to have a very, very low opinion of human beings to, to, to watch this movie. I don't know what, I mean, I'm trying to think how this could have, how, how could this have been saved for you? Because again, I, you said it's not a genre thing it, with, with these kinds of movies. So I'm trying to understand. Um, I just think if there's, again, I keep going to Gertrude Stein. There's no there there. There's, there's nothing to it. If it's not a social commentary, which of course would actually make it worse for me if it really was, because that's the worst thing you could do. Is, I don't think is, it's, I don't think it is. Use artist propaganda. I don't think it is either. Um, but it, it's not the story of, of Starkweather and, um, and uh, you know, uh, Carol Fugate, or what, it's not their story because that's not exactly what happened in, in the actual real thing. So then, what is it? What is it? It's, so you could say, well, it's about this. It's about this this guy who has all this anger because he's he's a garbage man and he feels like garbage and he goes around yeah. on this killing spree. But but he does that doesn't even work algebraically. I'm not trying to tri- I'm not trying to trivialize you, but that sounds like Taxi Driver to me. Like if you had replaced a garbage a garbage collector with Taxi Driver. So I'm not trying to personally attack no, but, you, but no, what's Travis the difference does. between him and Travis Bickle? Travis Bickle has a, has a moral crisis. Travis Bickle wants a real rain to come and wash all the scum off the streets. And he decides he's going to do it. That's why he kills Harvey Keitel. But, this guy just kills people for no reason. Simply because, you know. What is the point of his killing spree? To get stuff. It's not even to get stuff. What, to get the ne- to get what, the, the, the spider the guy has? It's in to survive. Yeah, he, sur- he survives to the next moment, to the next moment, to the next moment until there's no more moments. Well, what is that? But then why, why invite a viewer to watch that? What is the point of that, of sitting through that? I don't know that it has a point, again, any more than what's, what's the point of the end of Taxi Driver? I get, maybe we should do Taxi Driver after this, well, but I'm, I'm not. The, what, yeah, sure. You cannot compare this to Taxi Driver. I am comparing it to Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is a profound examination of a person's crisis that leads him deeper and deeper into a state of psychosis. Travis Bickle has is like Hamlet compared to Martin Sheen in this. Oh, good God! I think, <laughs> I think that there's such beautiful tracking shots that Scorsese captures. Again, I you know I, the interesting thing about Taxi Driver, I think, is the tension between what's in the screenplay, which is a a hatred for New York and a, hate, a, a desire that the rain will come, and uh, Scorsese as the eye, uh, loving New York and uh, lovingly brushing it with these beautiful brushstrokes. And I, I guess I would say the same what? thing for the planes. I find that uh, Malick's shooting of the planes is as as good or better than John Ford's. Well, there there's some um, fighting words, but I don't think that New York City is beautiful in Taxi Driver. We should do that next because New- Taxi Driver does not make New York look glamorous the opening of manhattan by woody allen makes new york look 
you know, Gershwin-esque and, and fabulous and all those kinds of things. But Taxi Driver, with, 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 the, with the cars going in slow motion, with the steam coming out of the sewers? It, it's, but it's like gl- gl- when he's, gliding. When he's driving it's like past the, the camera... The- I think the camera floats and I think the camera floats lovingly in in the opening scene through New York the same way that the camera floats lovingly uh, through through the hills. That camera in Taxi Driver does not float lovingly. One challenge accepted. All right, that's our next movie. But let's get back to this one. Tell me then what this is about because again, like what then then what is the why would you say this is one of your favorite movies? And you can't say because of the planes are shot beautifully. You can go look at a postage stamp for that. Sure. Uh, it's because I guess one thing that, ha- that has always irked me, and let's just consider this our segment three, uh, you know, the, our, our big takeaways. Uh, one thing that always irks me is when people try to turn folk figures like Travis Bickle, who is a fictional character, but a folk figure, sure. they turn him into, into John Brown's body. <laughs> uh, and and I, I always find that the, that the, that the people who who do things on impulse, the people who do things to survive minute to minute. It's exactly like the line, baby, if I could write, if I could turn this feeling into a song, if I could turn this feeling into a song, it'd be a hit. There's nothing, there's nothing in that statement. That's how I feel about Travis. I, I, I guess I feel like the over romanticizing is, is in the crime, like, like taxi driver versus the, the absolute vacuousness uh, of the character drawn brilliantly. I feel like, um, I feel like uh, Martin Sheen's character is uh, was written by Charles Portis. Oh, come on. Come on. You have first of all, you have an emotional relationship. You get drawn into Travis's struggle when you watch Taxi Driver. This you just watch Martin you just watch Martin Sheen's hair. I mean, he's not a great actor. You think Martin Sheen's a great actor? I think he's a good actor. Yeah, I think he's, he's certainly fine. he's certainly good in this in this movie. I guess, but I think you could have put a broom and had the and had the broom hold up a, a card with the lines on it. I I think I think I think that his portrayal with him and his buddies collecting the garbage is certainly more uh, is certainly more honest and on the nose than turning um, Travis Bickle as a taxi driver into a monk. All right, all right. You know, what? like I, I under I understand why he goes and steals stuff. Why he wants he something different? That. He doesn't. I don't think. Wants. I don't think he, I don't think he understands. And I think going back to your earlier point about everything I said, I think that is true. That the movie does invite you to look at these two and see them as emblematic of an of a of an existential emptiness and their search for some kind of meaning. I guarantee you that's what people who because it's all romantic. They're going to go live in the woods and and, and we're going to live here and we kill we have our own chicken and they make the Gilligan's Island stuff was just that was just sure. Hilarious. But you wouldn't want to stay there. They they do want to stay there. That's you don't they're want to live stay until there. they get caught. And the Gilligan, at least Gilligan, wants to get off the island. They want to go on to it. But I think that um, you know, and at the end of the movie, he's you know, um, Terrence Malick wants us to see him at the end of the movie, like uh, he's Humphrey Bogart at the end of High Sierra. Like they finally come for him, and they finally got him, and he's trying to charm them. Oh, you want a comb? Oh, you want my lighter? You know. So then, what is that about? That point is about the celebrity, like you said, turning him into John Brown's. You know, it's about the celebrity of criminals. If if it doesn't if it doesn't want to explore any of that stuff, then what is it? Then there's not there's. I guess I find that a lot of that punctured by Sissy Spacek's narration is what I'm is what I'm saying, which is that it she does she's not um I was having such a good time. She's saying um I'm bored. The only person I can you talk think- to myself. I find I find myself isolated. I imagined the days when I would be married and have kids, 
you know, apart from that, she's she's talking about um, the existence that I think that, that you're saying the movie is trying to to comment on, but she longs for it, you know, after a couple of weeks uh, of living in the woods. I don't think the script let, lets her long for anything. Have you, have you, I couldn't believe how misdirected she is in the scene where her father, where, where Martin Sheen goes after her father. Like she shows no emotion in, in, in the entire movie. Well, how would, I mean, I don't know how I would emote. Yelling, uh, under those screaming, being afraid. Nobody has any emotion in the movie. You know, somewhere, at one point I thought to myself, um, I don't know who said it. I don't know if it was Vladimir Nabokov, but somebody talked about the moment in history when you were allowed to smile in photographs, when you're officially allowed to smile in photographs. And one thing I thought about in this movie was, um, when, when was the moment in film history where you were allowed to act like you were shot if you were actually shot? Like when his friend Kato gets shot? Um, I think Reservoir Dogs, I think, is the first film where somebody ever convinced me they were really shot and in pain. But she, no one in this movie has a pulse. The people that get shot, the people that do the shooting, the, the bystanders. You know, people walked out of Malik's most recent film, too. And I think he and I will, are on the right side of history. But You're still not well, telling me, though. You're still not telling me what the big appeal of it is. That's why I don't get. What is, the, what is the appeal of watching these two? Because part of me honestly thought to myself a line that from Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, like a loser is still a loser. So if Gary Gilmore is a loser, um, if Travis Bickle is a loser, they are losers that illuminate deeper issues or deeper ideas. Whether or not you agree with what Norman Mailer thinks about Gary Gilmore or what Scorsese and Paul Schrader think about Travis Bickle. Okay, so what is, what is illuminated through the story of these two? I don't necessarily have a good answer to that. That doesn't mean that it's that it's not a good movie. I think what's I, I think honestly, this is a commentary on the charm of something like I think a lot to me, um, Travis Bickle is almost what Tom Sawyer imagines being a a villain or being an outlaw is. You know, like you you have all these inner convictions and you only kill the right. And I I think that the commentary is on that narrative versus the narrative of, of real life, again, to which uh, Sissy Spacek's character returns. Right, and I agree. Like, so, like, actually, Tom Sawyer would imagine being Clyde Barrow. Sure. Because you, you, you only rob the, the big, mean bankers, and you're going to help the folks, or Robin Hood. Sure. Which is essentially the same character, right? Errol Flynn and Warren Beatty are play, playing the same part. So you could say that, okay, Badlands is a commentary on that narrative. Right, and on that trope of the of the of the of the noble criminal or the criminal who at least has a reason for doing what they do, but okay, if it is a commentary on that, then what's the comment? I, the the comment is that that there's no there there, but I think that Malik sees you coming is what I'm saying. I think that the script then see you coming because the the point is okay. Let's say you got out. Let's say you escaped. Let's say you went, you, you'd want to come back. And the people who don't want to come back don't have, don't have a place, right? Like the, there's only yeah. two destinies. What, one is she returns and we assume that she does all the things that she said. She gets married, yeah. she has kids, whatever. She's uh, reabsorbed in, into society. And there's no, there's no place for him. I think that there's a certain, I disagree in that. I think that there's a lack of romanticism. I agree that their treehouse looks silly but I think the point of it is to look silly. It doesn't look like, it's not like Hook and they're, you know, hanging out there and they're, you know, they're not the yeah. Lost Boys. But then, you know, so, but don't you think, okay, if, if, if Martin Sheen is not meant to come back into society, there's no place for him. You don't think the movie then portrays him as kind of like 
you know, just like a confused kid, like an on the waterfront, a confused kid. No, no. I, I think that his, I don't think that he's meant to have any charm or appeal at all. I think that the point is that when he tries to charm, I think when he tries to charm, I mean, but, but I he's mean, charming. Was, he is charming to those guys. He looks just like James Dean in his in his denim jacket. They think hair. they think he's they think he's funny. Yeah, they think he's funny. I don't think that that means that they find him charming. They still execute him. It's not like right, he charms okay. his way until right. you know life and life in prison. Right. I, I think the the point is that he is a caricature of that model. I mean, but like you know, you say James Dean like it's a like it's a real name, like it's it's cool, right? But I mean, James yeah. Dean's whole story is that uh, he. He was go- he was just going too fast for everybody, right? And it eventually right. cost. You know what I mean? And I think that by dressing Martin Sheen up that way, it's 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 meant to expose uh, that character in a way which is is funny because he thinks he's charming in in a way that he's telegraphing his intentions and emotions that I I find compelling as a viewer. I understand that he's trying to be charming. He's not charming me, but there's a charm in how frustrated he is in his attempt to be charming. I think he is charming you. I think he's meant to charm the viewer. I think that's exactly the point of this, is you're meant to be charmed by him, just the way she is. But her, her being, I, I just, I, I'll say, I, I, can't, I can't understand how a viewer would be charmed by these two people, or not even forget about these two people. It's not like you have to like the characters in a film. I mean, there's, you know, I'm not charmed by, um, you know, Daniel Plainview, but um, or maybe I am a little bit, but uh, yes, you are. Yes, I am. You know, I am right. But it just, it just, it just struck me as all the dialogue and all the reactions to what happens in the film was so almost monotone that I, I, I couldn't wait for it to be over. Well, I'm disappointed you felt that felt that way. Let's do this. Let's watch taxi driver for next time and i'll see you next week and we can talk about the the differences between that film and and taxi driver all right i'll see you there Deal. Bye.